Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're doing this. Welcome to Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. My name is Phil Strum. So happy you've joined me today. My guest on today's show is one of the most notable wrestlers of his generation and a Lucha Libre legend. It's the one and only Conan. Conan is creative director for AAA Lucha Libre, which has its third Triple Mania card of the year in Mexico City on Saturday, August 12th, after having the previous two in Monterey and Tijuana. The show will be available in the U.S. and in English on Fight. Conan may have more pro wrestling knowledge than most and as interesting a perspective on what works with an audience in Mexico and what works with a Latino U.S. audience than anyone that I can think of. Of course, his wrestling career, both in Lucha Libre and in the U.S. with WCW, is well remembered by many fans who saw him do his thing. So here we go with my interview with Conan. So honored to be joined by one of the most important figures in modern pro wrestling and its history, the uh, creative member for Triple H Lucha Libre. He's the host of Keeping It 100, living legend, a Hall of Famer. It's Conan. Conan, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm under the ring pro wrestling conversations. Thank you for the invitation, Phil. So starting off with why you're here, the third and final leg of Triple Mania will be Saturday, August 12th in Mexico City here in the U.S. on Fight. What is it like to have three events of this stature to prepare for? And what's the feedback been like for the first two in Monterey and Tijuana? And, and, and what did you think of them? Well, um, you know, it's a very daunting task because you got three big shows and no one is bigger than the other. And this was an idea that originated in Triple Mania 2, which I was at over 30 years ago, and it didn't work out that well. But last year it worked out very well, so we decided to do it again this year. Um, you know, uh, AAA is a lot like WWE is in the United States. It's, you know, the number one promotion in Mexico, the most recognized name. Uh, there's another promotion that has more time in the game. They've been around for over 80 years, uh, which is our competition. Um, but uh, uh, it's just very hard because it's, it's very hard to top a great show with another great show with another great show. So we just, we don't try to outdo each other. We just try to make sure that each show has its own personality, uh, has its own identity, has its own feuds. And, um, and we just try to put on the best show possible. Um, I think the first show we did maybe uh, 14,000 people in Monterey. The second show we did like 16,000 people in Tijuana. So, you know, those are good numbers and um, you have a little bit of everything. You have the hardcore fans who are the what I call the experts. They're not ever happy with anything. Um, I take whatever they say with a grain of salt. Uh, I just listen to the people that go to the shows themselves. I talk to them a lot after the show to get their feedback. I stand in the crowd. They hear the reactions. Um, you know, I think we're doing a good job. Everybody's going to be biased at what they do, but I'm very happy with what they're doing. I'm I'm really known for even when our promotion doesn't do well or a match isn't good, 
you know, I'll go out and I'll say it because the people see it. There's no reason to see everything through rose-colored glasses because not even if you follow baseball, Otani hits a home run every game, you know, um, you know, not, eh, you know, Tom Brady doesn't always have a great game. And, you know, sometimes stuff happens and you don't have a great show and it is what it is. And your title now in Triple in A, do you have an official title with them? Is it creative director or what, what, what kind of work are you really doing for them? Yeah, I've never really been bogged down with titles. I'm a little bit of everything. <clears throat> you know, I handle like creative. I handle hiring wrestlers. I handle cultivating talent. I handle discovering talent. I'm a liaison between our company and MLW and AEW and Impact. And I have good relationship with just about everybody uh, in the business. Even with WWE, we have good relationship. Um, so, you know, I just try to <clears throat> work with everybody. Uh, I'm not from the old school thinking that if you don't work with us, you're the enemy. Um, I think we all need to work together to, to keep this industry afloat. I've heard you say before that the, the presentation that you're doing is for, for the Mexican fans. How do you right. feel that it exports for the American fan who has an interest in Lucha Libre? And what, what should an American fan checking out Triple, a, Triple Mania specifically know about, about the show going in? Well, I'm very happy because, <clears throat> as you well know, we have a lot of talent. You know, we've been exporting talent for many years from Rey Mysterio to Eddie Guerrero to all the Mexicans that, you know, uh, went to WCW and started the whole Lucha Libre craze, Psychosis, you know, myself, um, Juventud Guerrero, those type of guys. And then you fast forward and you see, you know, Pentagon and Phoenix and Taya and um, Commander and Bikingo and all these guys are in AEW. And you see uh, Laredo Kid and uh, what's this guy's name? Um, Taurus, you know, they're an impact. And then NWA, La Rebellion is their tag team champions, or I believe they were until recently, or maybe they still are. But, um, I, it's, you know, it's great for me to see that American promotions, you know, want to use our talent. Uh, what I would say to American fans is, you know, when you go to a restaurant, to a Mexican restaurant, don't expect them to, you know, serve you a hot dog. And that's the same thing with, that's, you know, when you go to Japan, you don't ask them why they use chopsticks. That's their culture. And so one of the things that invariably happens, and I think this is, you know, kind of normal, but at the same time, you got to understand it's not the same thing is people are always like, well, why is there a heel ref? Like we have a heel ref. And for those of you that don't know that term heel, would your, would your readers know that term? I think or so. No? Yeah, I believe okay. so. So, okay. <clears throat> why do you have a heel ref? Or why don't you tag in in tag matches? Or why don't you do this? Or why don't you do that? And it's the same as anywhere. You know, Marvel has their own universe with their own rules. DC has their own uh, rules. WWE does, you know, and we have our own. Not only do we have our own universe, universe, we have a different style. This is Lucha Libre. It's not American pro wrestling. It's not Japanese pro wrestling. It's Lucha Libre. And so there are things that American fans will not understand unless they're, you know, real big fans of Lucha Libre and vice versa. Sometimes when American fans come here, Lucha Libre fans don't understand what's going on. So it's just a different style, a different culture, different mentality. United States fans have been educated to that brand of wrestling. Mexican fans have been educated to that brand of wrestling. And what we're seeing is a cross pollinization of all these hybrid styles that wasn't possible before 
you know, and um, now you're seeing it. Um, uh, and we have our own style. We love our style. We think it's very creative. We think it's very different. And hopefully next year, um, you know, I can't get into details, but we're negotiating to come into the United States in a major way with a, you know, hopefully with a, a TV deal and show people what Mexican Lucha Libre is all about. And you won't see what you see in the United States, which is basically Mexican wrestlers within the confine of an American style. You're going to see straight Lucha Libre like you saw maybe if you ever saw Lucha Underground. Very good. And it's kind of similar to me, like when I, if I've ever gone to like a New Japan show. I'm not right. going to a new Japan show to see American wrestlers. I want to, right. I, I want to see right. what, right. What, I, what I'm familiar with. So that, that's really great to hear. And it, it is really cool to see all the different luchadors on all the different American shows too, because it just shows that there's an appreciation, you know, for, for what you really helped sort of innovate, you know, years back and, and getting a exposure for a lot of these guys, including yourself. So, right. Um, right. And why would you, why would you travel to Mexico as a tourist you know, and wonder why it doesn't look like the United States because right. it isn't. And it's the same thing with Lucha. And I've had wrestlers tell me the same thing. Well, why don't you do this? And why don't you do that? Bro, do you realize you're in Mexico? You're in another country with another culture, with another style? That's why. You, you know, you we don't do American audience. wrestling. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So this card has a four-way mask versus hair with Roosh and Sam Adonis on the hair side and L.A. Right. Park and Psycho Clown on the mask side of things. Right. There always seems to be high interest in this type of match, and this one has pretty unique talents in it. Would you agree? And how do, how do you kind of uh, how do you kind of break this one down? Well, I think the the biggest match that you can in, in Mexico, we're very big on hair versus hair, hair versus mask and mask versus mask. There's nothing bigger than mask versus mask, because if you've had your mask on, you know, like uh, Psycho Clowns probably had his mask maybe 10 years. Park has probably had his ma uh, LA, uh, L.A. Park has probably had his mask on for 20 something years, um, maybe 30 years. So that's a big deal to lose your identity because it would almost be like if Superman and, and you know, Batman had a match and whoever loses, loses their mask and <clears throat> they can't wear that mask anymore. You know what I'm saying? So now what a lot of wrestlers do, which you couldn't do before, is they'll go to the ring with their mask, but then they'll take it off. And they do that a lot for um, monetizing the mask. But once you wear your mask, once you lose it, you can't wear it again. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. that's that's a that's that's like a big deal in 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 Mexico. And obviously, if you lose your hair, you know you're humiliated because somebody shaved you bald. Um, so that's basically the nexus of that. And so you've got you know our most popular wrestler, a legend in uh, our most popular wrestler, Psycho Clown, our legend in in uh, L.A. Park. You've got Rush, who to me is probably the best heel, maybe in North America, hmm. you know, and you've got Sam Adonis who has turned out to be one of the best heels in Mexico in the last few years. So you've got four guys <clears throat> who have four big names. This is still a marquee, you know, driven, um, uh, uh, type of event. So you've got four big names and who's going to lose their hair, who's going to lose their mass. The only way to find out is either to go there or to, you know, watch it on fight TV. And so, that's basically the setup for that. And and obviously, just so you know, as a backstory, Psycho and Rouge have been feuding for probably the last six years, you know, 
trying to do a mass versus hair match. And we may see that August 12th. It may come down to them too. And Sam Adonis and Psycho Clown have been building probably for the last two years. So you've got a six-year and a two-year storyline that it's going to culminate. And the great thing about this is if, if it doesn't culminate, the six-year storyline will now become a seven-year storyline, and the two-year storyline will now become a three-year storyline. So That's, one stops and the other one continues. That sounds really interesting with those guys. And yeah. then you've got your other – the AAA Mega Championship match seems like a completely different type of match with right. Leo Del Vikingo uh, coming off his win over Kenny Omega. And then you got uh, Jack Cartwheel, Speedball Mike Bailey, and, and Daga in there. And it, how do you how do you see that one? That's totally different. That's a, style. Yeah, that's a great match. You know, your hardcore fans are like, oh, why aren't there bigger names? You don't – a big name doesn't make a good match. A right. good match makes a good match. So in Monterey – which was Triple Mania 1, uh, we had, um, what's this guy? We had Hijo de Vikingo, Swerve Strickland, Rich Swan, and Commander. And a lot of, you know, the hardcores again, oh, why aren't there bigger names? Why aren't there big? The match was great. You know, you had four great guys go out there, and, and that's what's going to happen now. You got Mike Bailey, who was in Triple A about 10 years ago, an incredible talent from Impact. Just him one-on-one against Vikingo would be great. Yep. Then you add Daga, who without a doubt is, you know, he just won the tag team titles in NOAA in Japan. So he's a guy that can do Japanese style, American style. He's one of the top heels in Mexico. He's great. He's going to have a great match. Um, and then you've got um, Jack Cartwheel. And Jack Cartwheel is very interesting because I've been, I've had the privilege of developing and cultivating, you know, all these great high flyers that have come out of AAA, like Rey Mysterio, like Phoenix like Vikingo, like Commander, and so many others. And Jack Cartwheel is the next one in that ilk. You know, he's incredible, does stuff that few people can do. He's very young. He's just breaking into the business, has a lot. He's very hungry. So those four, you know, there are matches just like football games, just like MMA bouts that you look at it and you go, this is going to be great. Sometimes it isn't, but this is going to be great. Yeah, cart, cartwheel is the most interesting one to me out of there, just because I think, like you said, he has the probably the least maybe name right now, but he's right. starting to build some buzz, and he's such a unique talent just in terms of what he's capable of doing from his gymnastic style and what his right. what his build is 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 kind of unique right. for for wrestling too. So, well, he was a former gymnast, yeah, you know, yeah. And uh, Vikingo has certainly generated a buzz around him in the U.S. Uh, as of late. What kind of things do you see in him that make him so popular and so in demand right now? And how big can he be? Well, the same thing that made, you know, guys like Ray Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero, who I had the privilege of working with and and bringing the AAA. Um, you know, these guys are guys that are very creative. Here's a big problem we have, Phil, in in wrestling. And it's across the board in every promotion. Before, if you remember, because I'm sure you're an old school wrestling fan like I am, you had a lot of you have a lot of people that had different gimmicks and you had a lot of people that had different styles of wrestling. Today, it almost seems like it's copy paste. Okay, this gets a pop. In other words, this gets a this gets a reaction. This gets a reaction. So I'm going to do this. This gets a reaction, so I'm going to do it. So invariably, a lot of matches look the same. You know, mm-hmm. what sets Vikingo apart is he invents us. He creates stuff like Rey Mysterio did and Psychosis did. 
that nobody else is doing, that nobody else has thought of. So you don't see anybody else doing it but him. And that really sets him apart from everybody else. And he's probably today, and I'd stick in that conversation, guys like Will Ospreay, and I'd stick in that conversation, a Ricochet, even though he's kind of been a little bit neutered in WWE, as guys that are just a cut above everybody else. You know, and it's almost like, when you look at basketball, you look at a guy like John Morant at his age, nobody's doing what he's doing. Or you look at, um, you know, if you follow baseball, you know, Ellie De La Cruz from the Cincinnati Reds, nobody's doing what he's doing. There's always one or two or three guys that are cut above the rest. And as far as creativity and excitement and just being different, Bikingo checks off all those boxes, not to mention I think he's like 25. I yeah. mean, he's got a long way to go. When you and you mentioned evaluation being one of the things that you deal with, when you look at a luchador, what things are you paying the closest attention to for how you evaluate them for, for how you're going to use them? Well, the first thing I evaluate is talent, obviously. But talent ha- is no good if they're indisciplined, if they show up late, if they get a big head, if they don't want to work with others, if they don't work well with others. So one of the things that I also do is you got to have some sort of moral character. And I watch how they how they treat other wrestlers, how how, you know, how the locker rooms take to them, how when they go, because they're going to treat me good because I'm hiring them. They're going to treat my boss good because they're paying them. So I don't even look at that. I watch them how they treat a stewardess, how they treat a waitress, how they treat fans, how they treat our sponsors. And that's very big for me. And if you can't learn to be a professional, doesn't matter how talented you are, I'm not going to work with you. And so those are things that I take into account. Talent, obviously, and, um, and chemistry with other wrestlers and how they go about their business because a big part of wrestling is promotion, is promotion and how they treat bands and uh, you know, how they treat people at autograph signings and, and stuff like that. So obviously I, I, I had the rare ability of discovering people. I can tell you almost invariably if somebody's going to be great just by watching them one time or two times. And I have a pretty good track record with that. Yeah. Um, somebody you obviously had a good connection with uh, very early in his life was uh, Rey Mysterio. I thought you maybe had the best Hall of Fame induction speech that I've ever heard. Uh, oh, thank for, you. For the WWE, for Rey Mysterio. What did it mean to you to see him honored like that while he's still active? Well, it was, it was very tough because Ray was, a, a as I said in the Hall of Fame speech, he was a very tough sell, you know, 5'2", 125 pounds. I even showed a picture of him. Yep. I mean – it, you know, and this was in the era of, you know, the, uh, the, you know, the era where, where, where in the United States was the bodybuilding era, you know, yeah. the big Hulk Hogan and that era, you know, and then WCW Sid Vicious and Scott Steiner and, you know, the skyscrapers and everybody was either tall or really, really muscular or really heavy. You know, and in the and in Mexico it was kind of the same, um, and so not so much that they were bodybuilders, but he was really even small for Mexican standards. Mm-hmm. So he was a really hard sell, especially in the United States, because I was trying to sell a small guy, and then I was trying to sell a guy that did lucha libre when not that many people knew how to do lucha libre. I did lucha libre, 
And nobody in WWE knew how to do it when I was Max Moon. So Vince was really smart. You know, he told me, all right, nobody here can do your style. So I'm going to bring in guys from Mexico. And all my dark matches were against guys from Mexico Mm. because nobody knew how to lucha lucha libre. You fast forward, you know, 30 years, every promotion has a lucha libre match from indie to major leagues. And everybody wants Lucha Libre. So I'm very proud of that fact. And Ray was a very, very hard sell. But at the end of the day, you have a guy that revolutionized high flying. There's a before Ray Mysterio and then there's an after Ray Mysterio. I mean, he revolutionized the whole business. And that's why you see a lot of matches today with topes and guys doing Lucha moves, very Lucha centric, where before it wasn't. And a lot of it is attributable to the, um, you know, to Rey Mysterio and the Mexicans that came in in WCW, like I stated before, the Psychosis, the Silver King, you know, those type of guys. And so he was a very hard sell. But, you know, um, at the end of the day, talent knows no age, talent knows no size. Yeah. And I, I enjoyed hearing uh, Psychosis's name during that speech, too, just because I remember well seeing their first match in ECW on TV, seeing their first right. match in WCW. And those, and he, he deserves a lot of credit, too, for how uh, innovative he was and is, right. is. And let me tell you a funny story about that. So Paul Heyman, who I love, you know, I learned a lot from him. Um, he had asked me first about Love Machine, who passed away. And Eddie Guerrero, who at that team were picked the best tag team in the world by the Observer. And they pretty much were. And so he asked me about them. And I go, bro, they're as good good as anything anywhere in the world. They were just picked the best tag team. And he said, good, because I'm thinking of bringing them in. And I said, all right. And then he said, hey, what's all this thing about Rey Mysterio? How good is he? I go, with all due respect to the rest of your talent roster, Nobody's going to be able to follow those guys. They're in a league by themselves. And if you bring them in with psychosis, they're going to turn the house out. That's all he wanted to hear. You know, Paulie, that's all he needed to hear. And that's what I loved about him. He didn't ask me, oh, is he too small? Because even when I brought him in to uh, WCW, you know, Kevin Sullivan was like, oh, he was the booker. He's like, oh, he's too small. And I said, with all due respect, you ain't the tallest guy I've ever met. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're wide and you're thick, and but you're not tall. You know, give the guy a chance. And he did. You know, and so did Eric Bischoff. And um, so um, uh, what were we – oh, so Paulie brought him in, and he was still in the venue because I could hear the people, uh, uh, you know, in the background. He was like, oh, my God, these guys just – Pour it up. When can I have him back? Can I have him back next week? And I get sure, you know, he loved them. You know, nobody knew what they were about to see. And and he really was the first guy to open them in the United States, even though we had done a show uh, called um, War of the No, what was when it? Worlds Collide. Uh, when when, when Worlds Collide. Yep. Right. When Worlds Collide with WCW. And that was really the first time that people had seen him. But but he was the first guy that put him on, you know, center stage. And uh, now it seems like WWE and virtually every company, AEW, everybody is trying to find right. the next Latino or Latina star. I feel like WWE has been trying to find the next Rey Mysterio since Rey Mysterio right. started. Right. And to me, you know, he said he's once in a lifetime. What, what should they really be looking for there? Because they're not going to find another Rey Mysterio. Well, the problem is, is that, you know, I've said this a million times. I mean, if I had a Japanese superstar, 
I would definitely have a Japanese booker, a Japanese writer, or a Japanese producer. You know, I don't think there's any Latinos in any positions of power. Do mm. you know of any Latino producers in WWE or writers? Because the only I I know they know I know they have writers, but let's you know the the principal writers are like you know Heyman and Pritchard and Hayes who are brilliant. Those guys are brilliant, you know, and they've dealt with Hispanic wrestlers, but they're not Hispanic. And so I think you need somebody in there in the power structure to help you with that to find the the next Hispanic superstar. Um, I think Bikingo could definitely be the next Hispanic superstar. You know, I think what's this guy um, Santos, who's a guy that I worked with very closely in AAA, could be the next Latino superstar, and definitely Dominic. Yeah, could be the de- next Latino superstar. You got three guys. It's up to you to do something with them. You know, that's interesting though to get somebody into the power structure to just who understands right. what they're looking at yeah. and, and how to yeah. relate to an audience. Yeah. So yeah, you don't have you don't have any Latinos in any positions of power that I know of in AEW either. And I've been there backstage. Yeah. They have them as commentators. You know, Spanish commentators. All right, big deal. You know, they should be out there. You know in Mexico, finding what I do, because that's what happens. I find them and they take them. You know, that's basically what happens. And I already told, you know, AAA various times. And we're going to, I go, what's the use of us having people if other promotions are taking them and then we can't use them. If I want to use Pentagon, I got to make sure he ain't on collision, he ain't on rampage and he ain't on dynamite. Well, we don't usually do Wednesday, so that's okay. But you know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's a big problem because that's a big hole. You know, Pentagon's a big part of what we do. So it's Phoenix, so it's Taya, so it's Commander, so it's Vikingo. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so Angelico is another guy that came from, from AAA. Right. I'm so you mentioned Dominic before. I'm so impressed with everything he's accomplished in short order in WWE. He's got more crowd crowd reaction than people who have been trying to do that for years. He's got such a great dynamic with Rhea Ripley, and that's improving every week too. What do you see when you watch Dominic Mysterio? Well, I look at it through a whole different prism because he's my godson, right. and so I grew up watching him, knowing him, you know you know, seeing him at New Year's and at Christmas, you know, most years that I could. And uh, so I love him to death because he's such a great kid. And I just think that a lot of stuff he picked up through osmosis, you know, you can't be around your dad and be in angles, you know, from a young age and not have some of that, you know, kind of, you know, get blowback from that or get stained from it in and just like Vicky Guerrero, you know, she was around Eddie all those years. And, and I remember her living with him in Mexico, you know, when times were tough, you know, and being with him because he was away so long and going to all his shows and being there live and watching him on TV. So when she became a character, she knew kind of what to do, you know, right. they just gave her the right guidance. And it's the same thing with Dominic or Angie, you know, Angie's been doing angles for over 20 years. <laughs> so when she goes out there, she's kind of a natural. And that's what happened with Dominic, you know, you know, all the, and then they, they, they believed in him and they put the rocket on him and he's every step of the way he's delivered. We've seen many of people Phil. you know, you're a longtime wrestling fan as myself where the, where they put the rocket, so to speak for, for wrestling parlance, that's when they believe in you and they put a rocket up your, your backside. That's a wrestling term and they shoot you to the moon. And a lot of people, when they do that, 
They haven't delivered. Dominic has over-delivered, you know? And the funny part is he's not like that in real life. You know, like when I was a heel, it was very easy for me to reach into, because there's a part of me that, you know, if you don't know me that well, I'm not a very nice guy to be around. And I would touch upon that to bring it out into my work as a heel, where Dominic's just a very chill, nice guy. Obviously, he's got his temper like everybody else, but um, that's not really his style. You know what I'm saying? So it was even more impressive to me. Yeah, I think it's so cool that he's just doing it in a totally different way than his dad, too. And you almost have to. Right. But, um, right. but it, it's just and that, that was great. That, that was a great idea. Whoever whoever's idea it was, let's not try to make him the next Ray Mysterio, because as you stated, there is no next Ray Mysterio. And it definitely wasn't going to be him. You know, he doesn't he's not a high flyer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So they've done a great job with him. Kudos to WWE and whoever's working with him. You know, and kudos to um, Dominic. Yeah, that's a high, a lot of pressure. I mean, he he debuted when there were no fans. Yeah. That's hard, you know. So you know, they're doing a great job with him. I'm happy as as his godfather, and I'm happy as a fan. I love watching what they're doing with him. You know, he's in NXT. I was talking the other day with Ray, and he told me that Dominic told him that you know he main evented Mexico City. He main evented Monterey. He main evented NXT, and he main evented. I don't know if it was Raw, Raw or SmackDown. Twice. Yeah, so <laughs> at yeah. SmackDown, I forgot about SmackDown. Yeah, too. yeah, all yeah. in one week. Uh, yeah. So we're gonna move on to something we call the three count. Now it's gonna be three quick questions and your answers. Right. Uh, right. First question: What was your favorite WCW theme song of yours, and why? Uh, the the two songs that I did a video for Psycho, which was Psycho. the first yeah. video I did, yeah, which was kind of like the Mexican culture. We went to Chicano Park in San Diego, and we had the Lowriders, and you know, and and that whole thing that was great. And then because at first, you know, I had to convince Eric Bischoff to do it because you know he really didn't know anything about you know Chicano culture, and it got such a good feedback that he gave me more money. And then I was able to do another one, which was a Bow Wow Wow Yippee Yo Yippee video, right. which were, we, were, we were able to dress up in zoot suits or, you know, pachucos, that's they're called in the Mexican um, culture. And we were and, you know, and we got dancers and it was a little bit more polished. And so those two songs, because of the videos and the, I thought they were good songs, you know, and I, I Ray's used it when he's in Mexico. And, you know, when uh, it was funny because Ricochet was wrestling with us in a show and Ray came out to that song and Ricochet was singing it. He knew it, you know, and I thought that was cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, second question. What was it like to teach the sharpshooter to Bret Hart? And are you glad that he still often credits you for it? Yeah, that was incredible because uh, that's when I was there as Max Moon and very few people would, this is kind of funny. If you look at wrestling back then and you look at wrestling now, just to show you uh, one of the major differences you very rarely had anybody going into the ring to go over moves because all the guys in WWE at that time, you know, Kerry Von Eric and, you know, you know, all these guys that were there at that time, you know, the, 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 the road warriors and um, all these guys were guys that had been, had been in the business a lot of years and they knew what they were doing. Mm -hmm. So they really didn't need to go into the ring. You know what I'm saying? And like now, when you go to WWE or AEW or any promotion, really, yeah. MLW, Impact, 
the whole ring is full of people because you have a lot of young people that are just kind of starting out and and uh, so they need to go into the ring and practice. But back then, hardly anybody practiced. And I remember that, Brett, I was in there going over some of my moves with the Mexican guy that was going to wrestle with me. And Bret Hart came into the ring and he was with somebody. I don't remember who it was. And he was like, hey, he just said it out loud. He goes, hey, do you know that hold that Sting does? And I was like, oh, yeah, the one that Choshu does? And he was like, yeah, yeah, how do you do that? And then I showed him. I didn't know he was going to use it as his finish. You know, and he ended up using it as his finish. And he was a guy that I connected with really early on because um, when I was in the dressing room, he had fought with some Mexican wrestlers in New Japan. And back then, they only brought the best of the Mexican wrestlers, you know. And uh, so we kind of connected over that. Plus, I also wrestled for his dad in Stampede. Wow. That was like one of my first territories. So we kind of bonded over that. And I've always respected and loved Bret Hart. Because, bro, in Canada, he was like a national hero. Yeah. And then finally, last question was just something I was always interested in. When you right. threw a clothesline, you always rolled forward into the move. And I was wondering where you picked that up and why you did that. Right. Well, so I always tried to be one of my main things is I always tried to be different. Like in Mexico, when everybody was wearing when I first got in, they were wearing all the basic colors, black, white, red, yellow. There wasn't too much deviation from that. I was really the first wrestler that came in there and was wearing I'm from Miami. So I was wearing the tropical colors, fuchsia, you know, and turquoise and stuff like that. So I basically livened up that color palette, if you will. And back then, everybody wore tights. And I was like, probably the first one or one of the first ones to wear shorts. And they were basically to my knees, you know. Um, so I was always trying to be different and uh, and not copy and paste like is a big problem nowadays, you know. Um, uh, so I just came up with that. I just I was always in my bed. You know, I, I consumed wrestling 24 seven when I was on the plane. I was thinking of cool stuff that nobody else was doing, cool stuff that I could wear, cool stuff that I could say. You know, my mind was just always 24 seven about being different and being unique, which is something I stress, you know, nowadays. You know, you have to be different. If not, you're just like the rest. Yeah. Well, uh, Triple Mania in Mexico City, Saturday, August 12th, available here in the U.S. on Fight. Conan, it has been a real pleasure to have you with me today on Under the Ring, and I really appreciate you doing this. All right. Let me just say two things before I leave, if I could. Absolutely. Um, on that show, besides for the people that are going to watch on Fight TV for the first time or you've caught it a couple of times and you already know um, what's going to happen, besides that, uh, uh, Bikingo, Mike Bailey, Daga, Jack Cartwheel. I guarantee you that's going to be great. Then we've also got the Latin American Championship with Pentagon and QT Marshall. QT Marshall from AW has a big feud with Pentagon. He's been stalking him and leaving him laying, and he just beating him in ambulance match. So their feud continues. We've got Brian Cage, one of the best talents anywhere. Uh, and then we got Dralistico, who is Rush and Dragon Lee's brother, and he brings it all the time. Yep. And so that match is going to be really, really good. Then we've got Negro Casas, who's a huge legend in Mexico, one of Chris Jericho's favorite wrestlers to work with, against Psychosis, who now goes by Nicho. And the, they've been going at it for a couple of months now. Then we've got the Reina de Reinas, which is our female championship. We've got Taya, who, you know, another talent that you know i was happy to 
work with for many years and cultivate. And, um, uh, you know, she's she's the first foreigner to win the title. I think she's won it four times. Nobody's ever won it four times. And she'll be defending against Lady Flammer, 23 years old, part of our hottest trio called Las Toxicas, which is a three-girl group, which is on fire right now. That match is going to be good. And then we've got other people like Octagon Jr. and Commander and uh, Mr. Iguana and Lady Shani. And so this is going to be a hell of a show. Everybody's going to go out there and put on their fat, their best foot forward. If you like Lucha Libre, you're going to love this. So come check it out. If you've never seen it, come check it out. You might become a fan. And then I'd also, if you don't mind, Phil, I'd also like to um, uh, uh Tell people to come check out my podcast. It's yep. called Keeping It 100 with Conan and Disco. My co-host is Disco Inferno. Uh, we fight a lot on the show, but we're friends. We, we've shown that you can disagree and you don't have to ignore each other for the rest of your life. You know, we, we disagree on a lot of stuff and uh, we don't just cover wrestling. We also review shows. We review Dynamite. Uh, we review, review uh, Raw. We review um, uh, uh, SmackDown with a different, more clinical eye, not like a fan, but we're ex-bookers. I'm, a, I'm a, a, a current booker now and a promoter and ex-talent. So we, we kind of view it from a different prism. And we also talk about anything that's pop culture, anything that's politics in the news. So it's kind of like a men's magazine format. And we've developed quite a following. And you can check that on everywhere spotify facebook youtube amazon apple everything come check that out definitely thank you very much for that and uh, all, all the best to you and uh, and AAA for uh, for the next show so thanks so much for doing this thanks again everyone for joining me today on under the ring pro wrestling conversations i'd like to thank conan for joining me today and i'd also like to thank owen phillips from fight for helping put this together Join me next week where my guest will be from All Elite Wrestling, referee Aubrey Edwards. Aubrey works on a lot of things in and out of the ring for AEW, so that should be fun. Have a great week, everyone. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.